All right, my happy enders, we have some very exciting news. We have sponsors. Yay for sponsors. So I'm going to read off the new sponsors that we have for our podcast, and um, I'm going to try and make it as nasty as we can. So let's see if I can do it. This is our first time, my first time doing this, so it might not be that nasty. Okay, so our first sponsor, and I'm super excited, is Blue Apron. Um, I've actually used Blue Apron. This is something that I heard on a podcast, and I got the discount, which is amazing. Um, if you go to blueapron.com slash happyendings, H-A-P-P-Y-E-N-D-I-N-G-S, you get $30 off your first box. And this is amazing, especially for like moms who don't have, we don't have time to go grocery shopping because we got shit to do. I have shit to do. There's a lot of naked people in this world that I need to touch with lotion and record. So going to the grocery store just isn't for me. Um, Also, guys who are trying to impress girls, girls who are trying to impress guys, girls who are trying to impress girls, guys who are trying to, we get the picture. Um, This is awesome. Everything comes to you. Everything, like even the salt, the pepper, it's all pre-measured. They give you the recipe card, which you get to keep, and it's really nice and durable. So you get to, like, if you want to recreate it, you can. But it's amazing. Everything comes to you. You don't have to think about what's for dinner. And if you have picky kids like I do, because my kids are assholes, and I spoiled them because I'm somewhat of a millennial mom, um, you get to choose. Like, if let's say you do two boxes for a week. Um, that's two meals, two meals that are done. No Jack in a box. I shouldn't have said that. Oops. But two meals that are done and you get to choose from about six options to decide which one you want. So, um, please go to blueapron.com slash happy endings, H A P P Y E N D I N G S for your first box for $30 off. Our next one is famous smoke shop. Which is cool because, you know, after a happy ending, what's the best thing to do but go have a smoke? And Famous Smoke Shop Cigars, we have two promos for you. So we have one that's Hot 20, H-O-T 20, 2-0. And you get $20 off um, your orders from $145 on. So you get $20 off if you order $145 or more. Um, which is super awesome. And then um, you also can do hot 10, H-O-T-1-0, and you get $10 off any order, $85 or above. And like I said, it's a happy ending. What better than to light up a cigar after a happy ending and listen to it? I mean, that's what they used to do in the old days, right, after sex. Not that happy endings is sex, um, but hey, why not? And our last but not least sponsor, and I'm also very excited about this one, is Handy.com, H-A-N-D-Y.com, which is amazing because Handy.com goes with happy endings like a cigar goes after happy endings. Happy Ending.com is doing an amazing offer for you guys. You get 30% off your first Handy booking when you use the promo code AFT. Save 30, which is A F F S A V E 30. You get 30% off. And this goes from cleaning. If you buy something from IKEA that you can't fix, they will come and build that furniture for you. If you're trying to impress someone, if your mom's telling you to get shit done and you don't have time, handy.com. All you have to do, go on, use promo code A F F S A V E 30, and you get 30% off. And Those are our sponsors. I hope you enjoy our next episode and have a happy day. Get undressed, get under the sheets. Ooh, you're in for a treat. No, I promise this is not a dream. It's just a happy ending with Joy Eileen. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, that's the last dorky thing I'm going to do. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I was so excited last night when I asked you. I'm like, okay, just be cool and don't be you. And then I was me, and you still said yes, so I appreciate that. Oh, no problem.
Okay. I mean, you know, you have a problem with people turn down massages. <laughs> Jesus, that's crazy. I've had a couple people who were like, eh, no. Like, okay. Yeah. Or my favorite. I can't be me too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be me too. Well, neither do I. <laughs> that's not what I asked for either. Yeah. It's getting recorded, don't worry. Yeah, that was weird. He was weird, though. Who was that? <laughs> Jeff Ross. Oh. He's like, I don't want to be me too. And I'm like, yeah, I, it's kind of what every woman has said the past ever. <laughs> um, welcome to our world. That's oh, funny. And I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do to you? I was just reading yesterday, there was a giant protest in South Korea. More women had joined this nationwide protest. It was sick of men uh, who were like videotaping them while they were using uh, the bathroom or in change rooms and I guess they have porn sites there where these guys upload these images of these women getting changed and use the restroom and so the whole country of women were marching against the whole I mean, talk about a, a whole country of creepy dudes so it was interesting that's insane yeah but I mean that's just you know it's culturally it's what it is they need to start making like really weird faces while they're peeing. Just like, because eh. <laughs> it's a podcast and everyone just saw that face that I made just now. <laughs> Make this video unusable. <laughs> All right, so on the table I have fucking Jimmy Schubert. Well, he's not fucking; he's getting a massage. But mm, all right, yeah, I'm gonna keep getting awkward. This is great. Try not to fangirl really hard right now, but um, yeah. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm getting ready to uh, embark on my summer tour, which is going to take me to a... I got to do a corporate gig in Asheville, North Carolina, and then I have to go to uh, Dubai till the 21st, and I come back, I'm at the Laugh Factory in Reno, and then I go to Las Vegas, and uh, and then I start the rest of my tour, so it's awesome. That is awesome. It's the Sweat Your Balls Off tour. Yeah. I'm going to grow balls just so I can sweat them off this summer. That's my thing now. So how long have you been doing comedy? 30 years. Really? That's yeah, awesome. I started as a kid. I was like 17. I, I, you know, I, I started doing magic when I was nine. And then I went to a magnet school, Philadelphia Creative and Performing Arts. And then I, I just graduated high school and started doing stand-up comedy because that was like really the, my, you know, I'd studied drama in high school and, 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 and was actively doing magic and then I kind of just went into stand-up you know okay mm. and you've had surgery on both of your knees yes last year I had both my knees replaced just because I was bone on bone with arthritis in both knees and it was just you know I, I mean everybody says you know wait wait but I I didn't want to wait I wanted to get them done because the, I was in a lot of pain and uh, you know my legs had started to bow out and I couldn't stand up straight and uh, I was just now I'm really happy I did it. It was one of the best things I did. It was you know just I had a really good surgeon and it turned out really well and I'm fucking happy I did it. I'm so happy I did it. Did you do both of them at the same time? No, I did one in March. Okay. I had an operation to get a pin out of my left tib and fib, uh, uh, which was unsuccessful. And so then we went back in October and did the uh, left knee. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that was last year was a really tough year. Just for you know, recouping and pain and going through that. It's, you know, major surgeries are never easy. Right. And then the recovery time, it's just it's just very tough. You can't fly. You can't work. It's very, you know, I was on a walker for a couple of weeks. It was very really tough. But uh, I'm glad I toughed it out and got back. And uh, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of people because I work for a chiropractor. I've been massaging at a chiropractor for 11 years. Right. And I've had a lot of patients that are like, I'm so glad I did it. I can't believe I waited. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. It's crazy, though, how fast, like, the surgeries change. Like, my dad had a hip replacement, and he has a huge scar, like, going down his hip. And then I had, a, and that was, what, 10 years ago? And then I had a lady, she's 70, she's fucking crazy, love her to death, but, um... She had a hip replacement, and she has, like, teeny tiny little scars. It's yeah. Well, if you get with a surgeon, it's, like, all they do. They just do hips, or they just do knees, or they just do shoulders. And, uh, you know, it's the 
orthopedic surgery specialist in Burbank. It's the Yakubian brothers. It's uh, Sehan Yakubian and Stephen Yakubian, and they they're just. I mean, most of the patients getting worked on were in that whole wing of the hospital where their where their uh, the Yakubian brothers work. So they're really good. Hey, that's fantastic that one of them's like Sehan, and then one of them's just Stephen. Yeah, well, one just does knees, and the other does hips and shoulders. The parents are like, we'll give him a traditional name, and we'll give him Stephen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here you go. So, okay, so comedy for 30 years, huh? Well, it's, uh, well, I started doing it. I mean, it was like six months before I started making, uh, six years before I started making a living. You know, you have to get good enough to make a living. Okay, and so then, yeah. I've got a couple more years. No. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been doing comedy? On and off. I did it once, and when I was 32, waited until I was 34 to take classes, and then this year, starting January, I've been hitting the open mics and actually doing it. So I don't know what you want to call that. Well, you know, it just takes people. I mean, it's very addicting. Yes, it is. When you do it and you start to do well, you know, you, you love that it's something I wrote and something I created, people find really funny, and so it's... You know, it's always why you do it. I mean, I just start, I, I did it because I love making people laugh and I thought I could be, I could do it really well. And this was, that was before, I and mean, now it seems like everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. Even actors who are successful are actually going out and doing stand-up and touring now. So it's, I wouldn't classify that as stand-up comedy per se. It's just, there's some people out there who are more famous than they are. They're more famous than they are funny, you know. Well, yeah, and then they get the celebrity laugh. I don't know. That's what I call it. Well, no. Well, the, the the audience gives them a cushion that other people don't get just because they're famous. That is true. That is true. Yeah, these hips are tight. Yeah, well, I'm not a flexible human being. <laughs> just gonna stick my thumb in your hips for a while. Have you now? You get massages. You've had massages. I, I do once in a while. I haven't had one in a while. You know, I've been. Like I haven't been, like I, it's so funny because I couldn't really walk before, but now that I can walk and my knees are great, I find myself walking everywhere. That's good though. You know, getting out and just kind of breaking the knees in and they're still not 100% because I just did it last year, but they're getting there and uh-huh. I can totally self see myself, I, you know, it's a, it was a quality of life issue, you know? Right. So... Right, and that's, you know, when people were telling you to wait, that's silly because you're like, I'm living now. Like, why yeah. should I? Yeah, you know, and, and I, I was in physical therapy where people waited till they were 63, till they were 72, and they were really struggling with physical therapy, you know? Right. I mean, I know a guy who had his hip replaced when he was 40. 40, he was 40 years old, he had his hip done. That's insane. Yeah, just because he played basketball and because when you're really active as a kid, you know, you put... You bang those joints up. I mean, Jesus. So. Yes, you do. And you mess up those growth plates. People don't realize those growth plates, they don't close until 18, 19. And that's this cartilage holding bones together. And then the cartilage just gets thinner until the bones fuse. Yeah. And that can get knocked out pretty hard. At least, yeah. And sports right now, I think, are crazy with kids, too. Yeah, well... I mean, look at all the concussions. Mm-hmm. And then the parents, you know, they're all living vicariously through their kids. They're like, oh, I scored. I mean, my daughter scored three points in volleyball today. Yeah, well, you want your kids to be active. You do. You know, so, but at the same time, it gets a little crazy, you know. I mean, these people think your kids are going to play professional tennis. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a kid who, who was actually really good enough to play professional tennis, but he actually became a stand-up comedian. Because it's so tough to become a professional. I mean, you're talking about a world-ranked player, like 125 players in the world that are ranked. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, but he just had the kids, so. Oh, yeah. I'm like, come on, Kirk, I need you. (laughs) Well, Michael Costas, I think, was a professional tennis player. Was he really? Yeah, I think. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he played tennis professionally. I think, I know Kirk did. Kirk did as well. Kirk was a real good. uh, Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they were nationally ranked, but they were probably on their way to... Yes, and he's so tall, just one step, and he's across the court. Mm-hmm. Guy is tall. Yeah, and hilarious. He is hilarious. I saw his special the other day, and because we go to the store all the time, and I'm like, oh my God, I watched him work this out. This is so cool. 
Like, yeah, well, it's a great thing about being at the store. You get to watch like people's processes. Yes. On how they start with a bit, and and then like three months later or four months later, it turns into this really polished piece of material. So that's the cool thing about watching people work is you get to see their process. That's my favorite part. My favorite part is going and then watching them start it with that little tiny idea and then just watching it grow. That's and the new tags. Yes. It is great. And then just seeing them become more and more comfortable with it. Do you do stand-up as well? I do. Wow. She does. That's where I met I met her at the comedy store. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a great place, man. It's a magical place. I actually just got past at the, uh, the Magic Castle. Did you really? Yeah, I became I'm a performing magician member of the Magic Castle. Well, congratulations. Wow. Yeah, it was a childhood kind of bucket list thing. Crossed off the bucket list. You're like, boom, new knees, new magic, boom. <laughs> well, you know, getting my knees done has affected. First off, I got I got two inches taller, uh, and it's also just affected my confidence on stage and everything else because I'm not a cripple now. I'm actually kind of got a little spring in my step, so it's affected me across my life, which is great. Do you have more confidence now because you're not? Yeah, I was always, I was always pretty, always a pretty confident guy. But yeah, now more so than ever. That's awesome. Did you change your driver's license to your extra? Did you add your extra two inches? No, no, I'm actually six uh, two. That's what I am. But I started shrinking because my legs had started bowing out. It was bow legged. Right. You can put your arms up too if you need to. There you go. There you go. I'm just gonna. Keep throwing my thumb in all these knots. Now, are you building a bank with all these uh, podcasts? I am. Yeah. I am because um, comedians are flaky. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you gotta have you gotta have like fifteen in the can, and then you start releasing them slowly, so that way you can kind of you know everybody does that. That's funny. You're number fifteen right now. <sighs> you're the fifteen. It's and it's just hard. Like, like I need you to lay down for an hour while I rub you with lotion. And some of them just, I don't have time for an hour. I'm like, that's all I need. That's crazy. Who doesn't have time for a massage? Fucking relax, people. Lots of them. That's that's insane. I mean, that's just, to me, well, that's crazy. To me, that's, you know, like, you got to take time. You got to have balance in your life. You can't be running around like a lunatic all the time. You got to take a minute to relax and reflect. I mean, you know, with the cell phones and our senses getting bombarded all the time with the 24-hour news cycle, man. You gotta have a minute to just put the phone down and do some critical thinking, because otherwise you get chromatically lost in your life. And you start comparing your life to other people's lives, and I need likes, and I need people to follow me, and, <laughs> and it's all fucking phony. And it's all make believe. Yes, I agree. And it's just, yeah. Like, just lay down. Let me touch you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm like, I do this professionally. It's not like I'm some crazy. Well, I am a crazy chick that's like, I want to rub you naked. But I also have a license to do it. Like when they told me, Joy, you can go to massage school and get a license, and you can touch people naked and not go to jail. I'm like, yeah, that's what <laughs> I want to do. <laughs> like that sounds like it was meant to be. Well, you know, it's funny because um, I think it's healing. You know. You, release all the lymph nodes and you loosen your muscles up and like I would swear by it like I used to come off a plane and go right to the massage place because they would stretch your back out they would stretch your muscles they would do the Thai massage uh-huh. where they'd also like just stretch you out and so that was awesome not did you get a massage but they also stretched your legs out and stretched your back out it was great and it's good for you and it gets yeah, your especially, blood especially after you get off a freaking plane you know right Good God. Oh my God, your plane bit last night was freaking hilarious. I've seen you do it before. Uh, oh my God. But my favorite was when you started getting that heckler lady last night. Yeah. That was fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, well, people get, you know, like that line that she got upset about is so ridiculous that like, it's a, it, I actually use it as bait for like this politically correct people. Like the line is... You know, uh, run cottage cheese. It was made in cottages. You know, uh-huh. suburbanite women used to eat it. Why they walk in that fine line between anorexia and divorce? <laughs> and that's the line she ooed on, which to me is like, are you fucking serious? Out of all that, is yeah, that of all the things I did that night, that that's the thing she got upset about, which I thought was ridiculous. I was silly. No, what do you have like a favorite heckler story? Uh, 
I was heckled by my mom. I've been booed <laughs> by 10,000 people. I mean, there's nothing that can happen in a comedy club that hasn't happened to you, you know? Right. Do you just beat off of it? Yeah, well, I don't I don't take any punches. I'm not going to apologize for anything. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to I mean, I'm just going to do what I do. And if you if you don't like it, you can fucking leave. I agree. I mean, I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but still, I mean, I'm working my ass off. I'm trying to work to the top of my intelligence. It's not like I'm talking about cancer or rape or you know, any, you know, anything like that. I mean, they're just jokes and they're really smart jokes. So you've seen my bits about cancer and rape. Okay. So you know me. <laughs> No, it's weird. Like when people, I don't know. My one of my favorite things also at any type of comedy is when people start saying offensive things. I like turning around and watching the audience. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, you know, there's so much stuff to talk about that if you really made that conscious choice to talk about those things, well, then by all means, help yourself. But you know, you're really limiting your scope of where you can work and the kind of shows you can do. Because, uh, I mean, there's a whole corporate market out there that pays really well. There's, you know, casinos and everything else. And if you want to go up and do rape jokes and cancer jokes, well, help yourself. But nobody's going to hire you because they don't want to deal with the repercussions of that stuff. Right. And you can say whatever you want. I mean, I defend anybody's right to say whatever they want. You know, but still, it's like I'd rather be working and paying my bills and, and... and, and working to the top of my intelligence to talk about shit that actually matters or that everybody can relate to. Right. Other than, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, it's very, I mean, if you're a woman, you could probably talk about that more than you can if you're a man. Right. But it's also the way you talk about it, too, because people have their different approaches to it, and you're like, ah. Well, I, I look at it like this. The job is already tough enough as it is. Yes. Why work against yourself why make it tougher on you i'm sure there's a million things in the world that you can talk about there's a million things other than that and, and people do it i go I, you know I, I call that job security right because i mean to go up to go from uh, you know you know open mic comedian to you know touring and making a living it's a big jump you know yes and so you got to be aware of all these things, especially now in this culture we live in now, especially now. Right. You know, especially now. Did you find um, there were limitations more than just uh, like cuss words and things like that, but when you were doing last comic standing? Oh, yeah. You had to, you had to submit your sets so they could get proved by legal. When you're doing last comic standing, you had to get approved by legal. So you had to submit your sets almost like seven days before you actually did them. Which is really, you know, it's not about being, you know, really kind of impedes the imputative process, the creative process, you know. Uh-huh. When you get a team of lawyers going every single word of your act, so. Yeah. But I like the challenge of that. I like coming up with that material. I mean, I really fell in love with the process of creating material that I could, that would work on primetime television, so. Yeah. Yes, I applied. Didn't get it, but that's okay. I applied for Argus's show as a writer, and it was the application process to me was exhilarating because they sent you an email. You had to write five jokes that were basically late night talk show um, setups, and it had to be with something that happened that day. Yeah. And you had four hours to do it, and you had to write five jokes. Yeah. So you're just scouring the news. But you, know. you, but you should do that as a comedian every day anyway. That's funny. I started doing that because it was so much fun and it keeps... I mean, even if you well, just throw the jokes that's, away. That's, that's the process. Well, you know, a lot of these jokes have a two-week shelf life because we live in such a you know attention deficit disorder society. So a joke that was funny two weeks ago may not have the same kick that it does. Like, I try to like write stuff that will, you know, last. I don't have... A, the the ability to you know you know I can do you know jokes they're great for Twitter they're great for online but mm-hmm. you know you gotta still entertain an audience right no and yeah like and I like it because I have a different perspective oh we all do but you know a lot of the female comedians out there right now are all single and dating and I'm married with three kids so I'm like this is what you guys want like this is what you're complaining about on stage that you want let me tell you how amazing it is <laughs> let me show you what marriage and kids is like in my house so no I like bringing my life on stage 
Well, that's cool. I mean, that's that's great. Yeah, especially like you said, in a day and age with like you know, uh, you like you said, everybody's single and dating. I, I mean, all I, if I can, if I got to hear another woman talk about Tinder and swiping right and swiping left, I'm gonna you know I, I'm gonna kill somebody. It's uh-huh. so obnoxious. It's like it's so generic. It's so like kind of like everybody's talking about it. You know, it's like it's so ridiculous. I mean, at least a lot of female comics are. So it's probably refreshing that you go up and talk about your life. Right. And I, like, I do have a tender joke, but it's basically like you guys are swiping right and left. I'm like, what happened to swiping front to back? Like, do we not do that anymore? You guys just not clean yourself correctly? So I do like the mom aspect of it. Like, yeah. I have, like, I'm married too. And so I kind of went more for the, like all of the, all of the apps just sound like places where murderers congregate. Yeah. I don't know how anyone's meeting anybody anymore. Especially, like, the names of the... So, like, Plenty of Fish, to me, is the worst one. Because they're telling you you're replaceable to your face. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't I would do... I wouldn't meet somebody on an app, ever. Oh. I mean, I, I just wouldn't do it. I'm not going to meet somebody face-to-face. I just wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. It seems like a tremendous waste of time. And actually, because of those dating apps, I was reading the amount of STDs in Los Angeles County has gone up 350,000 cases of, like, whatever, because these people are using it as, like, you know, booty call and hooking up and whatnot, you know, so it's kind of... Yeah, right, and that's all from the comedy store. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry, I got into this muscle right here. Forgot what I was about to say. (laughs) So, favorite place to perform? Um, gosh, you know, I mean, so many of them, really. I mean, I, I've done a lot of cool stuff. I've been to Afghanistan. Uh, I love performing for the troops, so that's not really a location destination. It's just doing something good for people that are got a really tough job to do. I, uh-huh. I like to do, uh, you know, I like doing charity work, work where you can use your comedy to help raise money and awareness for a cause. But I also like, I love Chicago. I love Phoenix. I love... You know, the East Coast, I love Boston, Philly. I mean, I love so many different places for so many different reasons. I mean, you know, the world is kind of like just even going to Dubai. I've never been there, but I've been to China. I've been to Shanghai and Beijing and Singapore and Macau and just all over the world doing something that I love to do, which is telling jokes. And it's tremendous that, that now that the international thing has kind of opened up, you know. Right. So, uh... Yeah, I, I mean, I just I just love performing for audiences that, that get it. Really, where isn't as important as, you know, the fact that you're actually connecting with an audience. Right. No, I could see that. What was your first road gig? Uh, it was in, actually, believe it or not, it was in, it was in Phoenix. It was, uh, the name of the gig was called Pin Seekers. It was called Pin Seekers. And uh, I was supposed to be featured, but they, they knocked me down to an MC. And so, uh, my first job, I went from feature to MC, but it, it taught me a great lesson. And then I got, I got, you know, I tried to figure it out. And, and so I got good enough to, you know, be a great feature and then eventually a great headliner, but it just takes time. Right. You know? Now, do you want to just stay stand-up or would you like... No, I'd love to, I'd love to do some acting. I'd love to, uh, you know, start performing at the Magic Castle on a regular basis. I'd let, you know, I just, uh... Mix it up, keep it interesting, keep it fresh, and keep it real. I, I got a special that I'm trying to sell right now, so once that goes out, I won't be able to do any of that material anymore. So I'm looking forward to like kind of halfway starting to work on a new hour, you know? Right. So it's all coming together. So you are excited about having like basically when you do your special, it's all that material's gone. Like, well, once it's out, it's gone because people are going to start to come and see you, and then. Uh, and they're going to want to, well, some people are going to want you to do some of your old stuff, but that's fine. I think a nice mix of old and new is good. Right. Almost like a music album when a band yeah. comes out with a new album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know, like, it's, but once it's on the special, basically the joke's reached its pinnacle. Like, this is where you, you it was born, and now it's gone on its way, basically. Has that been hard for you? Like, well, you- no. Well, I mean, you know, because once it's done and it's out there, I mean, those videos, you know, kind of circum, you know, go go on the, online and people see it and it circulates like that, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Do you get a lot of people who come up to you and like do your material in front of you? No, uh, but some people, but people did see me on Last Comic Standing. People saw me on Attell's Underground and, and you know the Comedy Central stuff they've seen. So they they come out to the shows. Right. <sighs> your traps are super knotted. My traps. Uh huh. It's because I carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. Okay, we'll put uh, it down for a second. Let me stick my thumb in it. Uh, Who do you think was your biggest influence? George Garland. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to... You know, I, I got to tour with Sam Kinison for about five years, so, I mean, he influenced me a little bit. as did. But anybody who's really funny, anybody that does comedy at a high level, it's, uh, you know, you just love watching them. You watch them learn, you know. You watch... Uh, David Tell's probably one of my favorite living comedians working today it just makes me laugh so hard and that's cool you know so you're still able to do you enjoy comedy still because i know i don't watch a lot of it i just watch a select few people just because they're 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 amazing to watch and you can learn from them you know right i don't really watch a lot of open mics or whatnot just for that reason you know it's just Nobody plus, you know, yeah, but plus you don't want to, you know, the other thing is you don't want to ever like, you know, have your mind pick up someone's, someone else's thought and then six months later you're writing something good. I think that somebody will say that and, mm-hmm. and you got to call a couple comedians and go, hey, do you ever hear anybody do a bit like this? And go, no, I never heard anybody do a bit like that. And go, okay. And then you call like two or three people just to check and make sure. And then once they go, nope, I haven't heard anybody do it, then you can proceed. But you don't want to ever just accidentally... Because it happens, you know, if you watch oh, yeah. so much comedy, you know, you can... Yeah. Or sometimes they ask for jokes and then they just start using them. And because they're on TV, <laughs> they get to keep it because they did it on TV and you have to get rid of it. Yeah, that's true. That's harsh. Which is why I actually learned that lesson. And I'm not saying he stole the joke. It, it could have been parallel thinking. But I started doing it in October, and he started doing it in January. But um, after that, that's when I really stopped doing topical or news things. And it was just basically, I'm going to write about my life because... Because no one can steal that. Yeah. You, you know, you gotta, I mean, you got 5,000 people trying to like talk about topical, current mm-hmm. stuff. And so some stuff sprinkles over it. Parallel, parallel thought happens more than you think, you know? Right, and that's what I said, too. I'm like, it could have just... Because it is an easy punchline, if you think about it. But it hurt. And I'm like, okay, well, nobody... You know, I have three boys. I'm a massage therapist. I'm an author. I'm going to write about that stuff because that's mine. <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, exactly, you know? Tell your story. Exactly. That way it'll help that nobody can steal your stuff. Now, did you ever have, like, a breakthrough, like, where you were telling jokes and then something happened and you're like, ah, this is, this is the avenue I need to be in? Yeah, I've had a couple breakthroughs, you know, where, where you were doing a lot of stand-up and you're just working and writing and writing and working and, and you know, you really kind of, you know, one night you get, it all came together and you're hitting on all cylinders, you know? Right. Did you always know you were funny when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I grew up with five brothers, so I always had like a real, you know, kind of a captive audience. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you in the five? I was uh, number three. Number three. And there's si- well, there's, you know, there's six of us all together. Okay. Where does the girl go in? There's no girls. Oh. <laughs> it's all boys. All right. I understand that. That's I... why I'm a, such a savage. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel my youngest boy is going to be because he just grew up with his brothers and just kept getting pushed down all the time yeah and well it builds character yeah well you know you know it's, it's good though I, I mean you know you got three best friends you know they're like well my brothers are my best friends you know we, we have a very competitive nature and kind of like you know push each other so it's great do they see you do comedy oh yeah they love it yeah they come out all the time that's cool where are they back in philadelphia okay do they ever try and give you material? All the time. It's great. <laughs> it's great. My brother Bob does a real good job. Joe, yeah, if you just talk and have a funny conversation and, you know, we start talking about some stuff, a lot of stuff comes out of it. Right. So, yeah, they like to help. It makes them feel like they're part of it, you know? Yes, I can see that. None of them went into the entertainment industry? Nope. Just you, huh? Just me. Number three. That's cool. Do you think being in the middle kind of helps because you have to... Well, yeah, because you become a great negotiator, a great arbitrator. 
you know, and uh, kind of, you know, makes you makes you try a little harder, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm in the middle of eight, so. I, wow! Yeah. Holy smokes! <laughs> That's a big family. It is. You don't you don't have them anymore. No, I grew up Mormon. Though. Yeah, people can't afford big families like that. You grew up Mormon. Yeah. How was that? Uh, so you're not Mormon anymore? No, I'm post-Mormon. You're post-Mormon. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that is the name of your first special. <laughs> post-Mormon. Post-Mormon. Uh, it, was, it was hard because we grew up on the east coast of Canada. Is that over by, uh, what do they call that area? Um, Newfoundland? Know. Newfoundland? Yeah. Well, I, so Newfoundland's off, off the coast, and we uh, I was in Nova Scotia. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're an island, but like with an attachment disorder, we just, <laughs> just uh, But it was it was hard because there weren't a lot of Mormons, and really conservative Mormons are encouraged not to be friends with anyone outside of the church. Wow. And so it was hard to do that. But there was lots of brothers and sisters. So you get to be able, yeah. <laughs> Did you guys grow up religious? Catholic. Catholic. Yeah, not overtly religious, but we were Catholic on Sunday, so you get to go to church. See, Confessor said, well, I went to Catholic grade school and I went to Catholic high school. With the nuns? Did you have nuns? Yes. Did they watch you? Yeah. They beat their asses. <laughs> Did they really? They didn't really fuck with me because I was a big kid. They really messed with me too much. Being Catholic, that's the good one because that one you can just confess and you're like, okay, I'm good. I'll be back next week. Yeah, see you next week. <laughs> Three Our Fathers, two Hail Marys, and an act of contrition. Right, good. Thank you. <laughs> Got it. Drive through. They can put a drive through window in. There right. you go. Hey, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I've done some bad things. All right, son. Here's your penance. Uh, you want to supersize that? Yeah, sure. Here's fries, Diet Coke, and a cheeseburger. A little drive through. They should have put a drive through window in the, in the church. Extra long rosary. Like, you really need. Yeah, the so. fantastic one is the priest is all no 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 that one's mine <laughs> I like hearing what he has to say <laughs> dibs dibs on that one did you grow up right in Philly or? yeah yeah mm -hmm. was um like I know Eleanor Kerrigan's right she's there. great I love Eleanor she's really funny I think Philly there's so many funny people out of Philly uh, Steve so. Simone <laughs> yeah Todd Glass yes uh BG uh Brendan Walsh, a lot of people from Philly. Philly's a good city. Yeah, my favorite band's from Philly. Who's your favorite band? Hailstorm. Oh, nice. Yeah, I get to go see them next month, and I'm super excited. I've seen them four times, and every time I go, I <laughs> I throw one of my books up on stage because that's what I do. <laughs> Instead of underwear. Yeah, like, well, I don't wear those. So I'm like, ah, I'll just throw a book up on stage because maybe they'll read it and think that I'm somebody. <laughs> but they are awesome. She has, like, Pat Benatar range. Oh, well, that's great. And I am a rocker girl through and through. What about you? Favorite concert? Oh, wow. Man, I've seen a lot of different shows. I mean, Sinatra before he passed away. I mean, I've seen a lot of different stuff. I I, I have an eclectic music taste. I, yeah. Yeah. I love all kinds of different stuff. Uh, but uh, Aerosmith probably, Don Henley, The Eagles. Uh, um, you know, Dawes. There's a band called Dawes. Uh, Mumford & Son was a good show. U2. Mm -hmm. You know. Who's... Uh are you still friends with some of the people that you came up with? Sure. Mark Marin. Uh, me and Mark were doormen together. Oh, talk dirty to me. No, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just imagining the two of you. Together. Well, you know, man, he's a great guy. I, I mean, I'm just so happy for his success. And, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys who harbor jealousy or resentment or, or get bitter. I, I think my friends' wins are my wins, you know? I agree. You know, so anything else than that, you know, like... You know, a bunch of guys are shooting a movie that I auditioned for. My buddy, my buddy uh, Butch Bradley got in it, and Steve Burns directing it. It's called Opening Act, but uh, I didn't make the cut. But I wish all those guys success. I hope it's a huge success for them. You know. And that's how it should be, because it just wasn't your road. Yeah, I've done enough stuff, man. I've been in a lot of movies and television. You know, yes, I, yeah. you know, so it's not like I have to worry about. Uh, you know, I'll get 
what I get when you know time's right. I mean, right. I, I just think you just got to keep working and, 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 and work harder and audition better if you want to get it. But it's as simple as that. You know? mm -hmm. See, I felt like that with massage because I just started putting massage with my comedy and offering massage for minutes basically on the mic. Like, give me the magic talking stick and I will touch you naked, which is normally how it goes, but I have lotion. And, um, yeah, I didn't start doing that until this year. I'm like, why did I wait so long? And it's gotten me indoors that I never thought I was going to get into. And I just have to chalk it up like it wasn't time yet, and now it is. Because I've got to meet a lot of people just by... Well, comedy's cool. I mean, you, there's not too many assholes in it. Most of the people are cool. They're hardworking. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a lot of... But I'm sure you probably know better than me, but I'm sure... I mean, at least not with me, but I'm sure there are some somewhere at different levels, you know? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, I've been accepted. I don't know. I get hugs, and I don't... I feel... When I'm at the comedy store, any comedy, I feel at home. I'm like, this is where I should be. Yeah. And I haven't... Well, the comedy store is a magical place. really yes. is. Did you ever get to meet Mitzi? Yeah, I did, actually. Because she is, was my hero. What's the first time you played at the, the comedy store? Uh, I got hired as a doorman first. And, uh, and then I started... <laughs> and then I, well, that was the system. You know, you get hired as a doorman where you get to watch all these great comedians. Mm -hmm. And then you can learn. And then, uh, you know, Mitzi would pass you. Did Mitzi pass you? Yes, she did. Yeah. That's awesome. How was that? It was great. You know, she has a, you know, that was a, that was a big moment to get past the comedy store. It was a huge moment for oh, me. Oh, yeah, I could see that. It's like, you know, doing Carson with Johnny Carson when Johnny Carson was doing it, you know? Right, getting the couch. Did you only showcase once, or did she... No, a couple you, times. Yeah, she put you through the paces. No, she was tough on you, but, you know, it made you better. It made you want it more, you know? Right. Were you past, you and Mark, were you guys passed together, or...? Uh, yeah, kind of similarly. We had, we came up, there was a couple, a bunch of us that came up that way. Some guys are no longer doing stand-up. Some guys quit, they had families, they got out there, they went off to do their own stuff or do different things, and so, you know. Right. Do you want me to flip you over and do your knees? Oh, that would be great. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Because I can feel, yeah, the tension on your legs. I've got you hopping all around the table, so. <sighs> now, after the knee surgery, your hips were fine? Yeah, they're getting there. Okay. You know. I mean, if I had waited any longer to get my knees done, then my hips would have started hurting. Mm -hmm. Then my ankles would have started hurting. My back would start to hurt. And so by doing the knees, I corrected a bunch of stuff that was would have been problematic. Right. Well, I mean, that song, you know, head, bones connected to Yeah. That, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Like, I try and tell people that. They're like, well, what is that? I'm like, well, this is causing that. And it's all to get out of your one freaking body. Your one piece. So. How did you um, become a part of the last comic standing? You were invited on. Well, no, I was audi I just auditioned for it. Yeah. Did you audition out here? Yeah, I auditioned at Universal Studios. It was it was time. I, I thought that the you know it was just it was just something to really just kind of get you back into the national spotlight and get you mm -hmm. talking about stuff. I mean, I really didn't want to. I wasn't trying to win it. I just wanted to uh, you know get good enough that I could get. Uh, you know, a little exposure. Right. Yeah. Are you still friends with anybody in the last comic standing? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Rocky Laporte and D.C. Benny and those guys, you know. I right. mean, uh, uh, Lachlan Patterson, uh, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's cool. He's like, he's like, looks like an old hippie, though. He's kind of lost his mind a little bit. <laughs> Have you seen a lot of that? Have you seen a lot of comedians just go over the edge? Well, you know, you get out here and you start banging your head against the show business wall, trying to get this or trying to get that or trying to get this, when all you really want to do is be able to tour and make rooms full of people laugh. Yes. And so some guys just come to a conclusion where like the, it seems like the one thing you want most if you focus on that. And sometimes when you just walk away from it and go do what it is you were meant to do, it kind of circles back around and pulls you back in. 
Okay. And so sometimes there there's a very cool uh, by letting go of the thing you want most, uh, it comes back to you. Right. Is that what you did, or you just? You well, I did. I did leave for when Sam Kinison died. I left and went to Florida. Okay. And uh, you know, just started writing and working and. Took a job as a house MC and I worked a lot and I got better and I got good and I actually turned myself into a national touring headliner from there. So I didn't have to be in LA, number one, because it didn't have anything to do with my development. Right. I could develop anywhere as long as I wanted to. And the other thing was, is that I didn't, uh, I wasn't, I had a better quality life and I was, you know, and, you know, as a comedian, you can live anywhere. You know, you can do anything you want. You know, as long as you got an airport, you can travel anywhere you need to go. Right. Did you have any weird jobs before you started? I didn't have weird jobs. I had good jobs. I was a, I was a, uh, worked in a law firm in, in the mailroom. Mm-hmm. Manat, Phelps, Rothenberg, Tunney, and Phillips. <laughs> I remember it. And I worked in the mailroom and, uh, um, yeah, but I went, I, you know, I bartended, I did, I did a bunch of different stuff, you know. And it always came back to stand-up. Well, no, because before I was able to make a living doing stand-up, so it paid the bills. You know, I had to be able to pay my bills and have health benefits and all that other good stuff. You know? Right. To be a person and also do comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, you say make a living being a comic, and I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> well, you know, it requires, you know, it, it does require a lot of work. you got to really want to do that. Everybody goes, well, I want to be a, a traveling comedian. I go, well, I hope you like fucking airports. I mean, people <laughs> have a, people are misguided about what it is. I mean, you travel constantly. Your fucking life is out of a suitcase. Sometimes you come back for two or three days just to get your mail, put some checks in the bank, let those clear, pay your bills, and you're back out for another six weeks. I mean, that's... Right what essentially what the job is you know and and you can do your 15 minute sets in los angeles or your seven minute sets in la and new york and you think ah that's cool man but you know until you can make a fucking room full of people laugh in the middle of the country for a fucking hour mm-hmm. i mean you know and that's really the people that are you know they, they spend 25 bucks i mean anybody can do 15 minute sets and act like a jackass but you know, if you could construct a whole themed out hour and be able to perform it and pull it off, I think that's something, you know, you know, something to work towards. You know, I don't know. I just, I think it's a special skill set. I think, uh, you know, a lot of show business looks at comedians like we're fucking clowns in the plain clothes division. And I think it's a, yeah. I think it's one of the toughest art forms. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It's one of the toughest art forms. I completely agree. And it's, it's very so vulnerable. Yes. And it's super frustrating when, oh, I want to try stand up. My friends told me I was funny. I'm like, then you you get up there, like you work out your set, and yeah, I I, I always tell people go do it then. Yep. I mean, some people some some people do it so good that they make it look so easy that people think, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Go, oh yeah, okay, go ahead then. Yeah. And go that's ahead. what you want. You want people to think you're just pulling it out of your head. No, but that's good. But one of the things is it you make it look so easy. You know, the the people think that like, they, but it's every single word is crafted and precision and try yeah. to. You know, it's 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 like a precision piece of art. Every every word, every inflection, every raised eyebrow, every hand gesture is all you know yeah. meant to get a laugh or a reaction from the audience. It's not. I'm not just up there fucking willy nilly, just hoping someone laughs at some stupid shit I say. And it seems to be there's a lot of people in Los Angeles that think that's what stand up comedy is. Yes, that's what I love about like you and Mark Marin and, and like real writers because it's all about it's not it's the the order of the words and the cadence and the what you're doing in the moment and people believing the words but it you can tell that it takes so much time to put it together right when you when you get to that's yeah, but it's all about the writing. Everything's yeah. about the writing. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so you know, I mean, you know, the writing is an important part of getting up on stage. In fact, I've told comedians, I said, I would rather take a night off and just spend some time at home writing because, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Go to the Liquid Zoo and just have mm-hmm. people stare at you? That's not conducive to being, uh, it's not going to make you feel better about yourself as an artist. Exactly. I'm going to have you scoop down a little. Okay. And I'm going to do your neck. Okay. That's the thing that I've liked about moving out to Los Angeles is actually be like you were saying, like being able to watch the best comics in the world work on their material. Yeah. That that's such a, a turning point for me. Being able to see that 
Because you, you, where I was from, you would only see specials, and every like very occasionally you get a really great comic come out and do a show, but you would never get to see them working on anything and being able to see a process of yeah. world class comics has been. Well, it's frustrating too because you see all these kids and they're like, oh, I was at the store until two o'clock and. Oh, I was here, and they all they do is hang out, and you're like, when have you pulled out your notebook last? You know, when was the last time you wrote something down? And then they just get up there and they think that they can just wing it. I don't know. Like the ones that don't work, I don't know, because I'm a writer, I think, that's why. Do you, um, at the beginning, would you do tricks on stage or anything just to no. get comfortable, or no. it's very separate for you? No, it's very separate. Yeah. One thing has nothing to do with the other. I mean, I like performing them equally as much, but they're just two different venues, you know. So one, one, like, I do, if you're going to do stand-up, you're going to do straight stand-up and just rock the house, and then if you're going to do magic, do that afterwards. Right. Now, how did you get past at the Magic Castle? I had an audition. I had a particular set. I had to perform it. How long was the set? That was about uh, 18 minutes. Nice. What's your favorite kind of magic trick? Close-up. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite magician or anything when you were a kid? Lance Burton. I, I like what you said about the separate... I did musical theater before I started comedy, yeah. and everybody would always say, oh, you should do musical comedy, but they're, for me, there's two very separate Yeah, but you could, you could use some stuff or some, you know, stuff from musical theater in your act as long as you weren't overtly doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you come out and, like, you know, if you, if you had to, like, had a bit that where you could perform something in your act, I think that would be fine. Yeah. But yeah, do musical theater comedy, I don't think that would No. Like, get a guitar, and I was like, that's not how musical theater works anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, no, okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, they're just very separate places in my head. Yeah, for me as well. Alright, how do you feel? Feel good. Okay, take your time getting up, and then... Oh, yeah, do, yes, you wanna, do you want to see your Twitter? Because you need likes. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Self-esteem. At, at, at Jimmy Schubert. Perfect. At Jimmy Schubert.